0: I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Say, in our continuing effort to provide you with forbidden information, today I want to talk about a concealed gun law. Now, when I say concealed gun law, I'm not talking about concealed guns. I'm talking about a concealed gun law. You see, New Jersey has passed and has been on the books with an anti-gun law that is very dangerous, deceptive, and it is also, to a large degree, kept from the public, except when it's used to selectively be enforced against individuals. Now, let me just say, if if you live in New Jersey, this is, of course, Extremely important for you to be aware of. But even if you don't live in New Jersey, the problem is New Jersey is what I call one of the experiment states where they come up with some anti-gun concept and they start it here, the Petri dish for some crazy gun control or gun ban effort. And then see how it flies and what the deal is. Then they propose it nationally. And then it can become national law affecting everybody in the United States. So you, see, you saw this happen with uh, this domestic violence laws. And this is not anything for against against uh, enforcement of domestic violence. I'm just talking about its effect on, on gun rights. You see, it was in New Jersey that first uh, initiated individuals who ended up getting domestic violence restraining orders from being restrained from possessing firearms. Also anyone convicted of a domestic violence misdemeanor, right, low level, they became prohibited and it became a disqualifier for possessing firearms. And this is pretty radical stuff if you step back, because if you separate out the extreme sensitivity and political correctness, depending on what you want to call it, regarding domestic violence and even the ability to discuss it, what you had there was something pretty new and that was a loss of your Second Amendment constitutional rights based on either a civil restraining order, you're not a convicted felon, it's simply a civil order, or a misdemeanor conviction, something less, significantly less than a felony conviction. So it really illustrates the so-called slippery slope And once we started accepting certain gun disqualifiers, now the whole arena is to propose more and more gun disqualifiers and increase the list so that more and more people lose their gun rights. The idea is for the anti-gunners to disenfranchise as many people as they can of their gun rights. So as long as we can come up with more and more prohibited categories Then we get more and more prohibited persons, you see. And hence the terrorist watch list prohibited category. And it's vague and undefined, and you don't even know how you get on the list, no less how to get off it. Hey, that's a great thing. Make someone, anyone on that is a prohibited person now, you see. And this is what you see. You see this increase of prohibited persons and New ideas politically, so then they can try to say to those darned old silly pro gun people, "Oh, you want terrorists to have guns, oh, you want domestic abusers to have guns you and they just have this broad stroke of a complaint like these folks are out of their minds to want to have anybody. but when you start getting into the actual laws and the actual definitions, and you start to see how incredibly broad, incredibly vague, and how individuals are losing their rights who shouldn't even be on certain lists or have had so little due process to make this thing a disqualifier who never had any physical violence whatsoever but doesn't matter they lose their right and it's this expansion it's this expansion of prohibitors and the moment you talk about it the way i'm talking about it with you oh you get smeared you're going to get smeared now Oh, you want to, you want wife beaters to have guns, you know. You want terrorists to have guns. And this is the politics of it. And, and and then yet when you deal with the reality, it's a whole other story. And yet trying to have some rational, reasonable discussion about it becomes more and more impossible. And even to get the word out with our tech lords, you know, they're crushing our freedom of speech, was why they sh- podcast is so important to me to be able to tell you about this stuff. So what am I talking about now? Well, What I'm talking about now is a law that you probably don't even know exists. And you know, unless you're really on top of things and maybe read uh, some articles that I wrote about it, but short of that, this law was passed, believe it or not, over 17 years ago. And what this law says is that any person who's had firearms seized pursuant to domestic violence and has not had those guns returned is a prohibited person that person who's had guns seized and not returned as long as they were seized pursuant to domestic violence that person is a under one part of the law prohibited from getting a firearm license And B, under another separate law, is a prohibited person put into the same statute that deals with convicted felons and such losing their rights. So that if you are a person who had firearms seized and not returned, that were seized from domestic violence, you then possess a firearm, even temporarily, someone loans it to you or you have it, you now are subjected to criminal prosecution looking at five years in state's prison for your possession and the reason this is so outrageous is first of all someone who's had guns seized pursuant to domestic violence the law does not require that they be the actor of domestic violence that they be the one who perpetrated the act of domestic violence so, an innocent third party who has their gun seized, but it's seized pursuant to the Domestic Violence Act, they now lose their rights. So, for example, <clears throat> let's say it's a father and living at the house is the son, and the son gets a restraining order from a girlfriend, and they come and take all the guns out of the house. The father has now had guns seized pursuant to the domestic violence law even though he wasn't even the accused perpetrator of domestic doesn't matter this person's now pro- prohibited and if those guns are not returned they fail to qualify to get a license and or to be able to lawfully possess firearms saying add to pause right there <coughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> so the laws that were passed in New Jersey and I'm going to tell you about these laws where they are but these laws are actually concealed gun laws and I'll tell you why in one second here are the laws number one it says no handgun purchase permit or firearm purchaser identification card shall be issued to any person whose firearm is seized pursuant to the, quote, Prevention of Domestic Violence Act of 1991. So that's the licensing disqualification. Then there's this under the uh, criminal code. that says a person whose firearm is seized pursuant to the Prevention of Domestic Violence Act of 1991 and whose firearm is not returned... Or who owns, purchases, possesses, or controls a firearm is guilty of a crime of the third degree. That's five years state's prison. There's a criminal prohibition and a licensing prohibition, and these laws were passed in 2004. And here's the kicker to this day, folks, to this day, You look at an application for a New Jersey handgun pistol purchase permit or a New Jersey firearm purchaser ID card or a certificate of eligibility that you have to sign when a long arm is being transferred, and nowhere on that form does it ask, are you a person who's had guns seized pursuant to the Domestic Violence Act and not had them returned? it is not asked on the application imagine that a gun prohibitor that is specifically in the licensing qualifications a specific prohibitor in the licensing act not on the form and not only that but a criminal prosecution if you possess it and are invi- and it is not asked on these forms I want to tell you, I don't like this law. Not one one bit. It shouldn't be on the books, but it is on the books. And since they passed it, why are they concealing it by not putting it on the applications? And I'll I'll tell you why. Because I wrote letters, I I put out uh, uh, articles, and I've tried to call the state police out on this. They're the ones who promulgate the form, the New Jersey, through the New Jersey State Police. It's promulgated. And they've had many different revisions, yet how come this disqualifier is not on there? Is it because the state police are incredibly uh, negligent, I mean unbelievably negligent, and uh, and fail to uh, do their job here, and to this large degree that they miss a third degree criminal charge prohibitor to even ask it on the form? Is it because of their unbelievable uh, uh, ignorance and negligence or is it intentionally left off do you think it's intentional because it's got to be one or the other either it's purposely being left off or it's unbelievable negligence and I'll tell you what I personally believe that it is purposely left off I don't believe the state police are stupid I don't believe they're negligent I think they know The gun law is pretty good as to uh, what needs to be in those forms and whatnot. So why would they not want to put it on there? It's very simple. You see, if every gun application asks this question, and, and anyone who fills out one of these forms for a new pistol permit or to do a rifle transfer or to do a change of address, everybody would then know that if their guns are seized or their guns get seized in a situation where there was a domestic violence seizure. Everybody would know, and what I'm telling you now would be no surprise, because everybody would know it, and they'd know they have to fight to get their guns back. Because after a seizure under the Domestic Violence Act, there's what's called a weapon forfeiture hearing. And if everybody knew that they will permanently lose their gun rights, and be the equivalent of a convicted felon, arguably, being prohibited. Every one of them would fight to get their guns back. But instead, not knowing this, many times there are counties where the investigator will call up the person, and say, "Oh, you know, we we seized your guns, and you're going to have to come to court in such such a day if you want to get them back." And the person saying, "Well, I got to miss work. I got to do this." Well you know, in the maybe it was inexpensive guns or it's not that much money in guns or whatever the deal may be, they'll say, look, we're going to be so nice. We're going to be so nice that we'll let you sell your guns to a dealer and you can get the money for them. And you don't even have to come to court. We'll just get that order and done in that way and it won't be a problem for you. And anyone that agrees to that loses their gun rights and becomes a prohibited person and they don't even know it you know why because there's no requirement that they be told this even at the weapon forfeiture hearings the judges don't say oh you become prohibited under this if you agree in any way to not get your guns back this kicks in but they don't want you to know it folks Because if everyone knew this, the weapons forfeiture hearing calendar docket would be out to the year 3,000 because everybody would be fighting to get their guns back and not become a prohibited person because they got nothing to lose, and they better fight to get them back instead of rolling over. So this is the concealed gun law. And the problem with this type of law is that nationally, I'm sure we'll see it proposed as well. I have no doubt. And by being aware of it, you know to fight it. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about a new law being proposed as a ballot initiative that will absolutely shock you. And yet, in these times that we live in, nothing should shock you. For over
1: 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, A bright orange gun law bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the gun lawyer resource page. Evan Nappen, America's gun lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Nappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a.
0: Hey, welcome back, and I just want to remind you all, please subscribe to Gun Lawyer Podcast. It's very important that you do. It helps get the word out. Tell your friends to subscribe. This is uh, really our, one of the few remaining ways to communicate about these threats, and it's particularly important, as you see, for you to be aware of these things and not fall into these traps. That the government is set or that the aunties are laying for you and me. It's really important to do that. Uh, I would highly recommend, uh, getting your friends to subscribe because they will greatly appreciate it when, uh, listening to the show ends up saving their ass. So, uh, have them do that. It's, uh, it's an important thing and I do appreciate it very much. Let me tell you about. A new threat, and we have to always be on guard for the new threat because no matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how ridiculous we may believe this threat to be, don't underestimate it, especially in these times. And we see something, and I pick up on something just just outrageous happening in a, an experiment state, as I said. I'm like, oh gosh, we gotta stay tuned to this and be on this, and just such a thing recently has happened and it's taking place in Oregon so any of you who have been following the news about Oregon particularly uh you know in Portland and such and all the problems and the extreme left wing element progressive element that's taken hold in Oregon particularly in Portland and elsewhere and even though Oregon's such a beautiful state and often thought of as a very pro freedom state. A matter of fact, you can trace to Oregon one of the the underpinnings, the original arguments, modern day arguments for the Second Amendment being an individual right in cases that developed from the Oregon Supreme Court, and those cases found early on in, in beautifully written opinions, really laying out wonderfully why the second amendment is an individual right uh finding for example that a switchblade was protected under the second amendment and that oregon switchblade ban was unconstitutional all this years before heller's decision so these supreme court decisions ended up at times being even incorporated into the federal heller decision etc that made it clear that we have a individual right to keep and bear arms and the groundwork was laid believe it or not in Oregon to uh to a certain degree there they were really something incredible and when Oregon's case on switchblades uh, came out that actually marks the beginning of the modern switchblade automatic knife production in America and uh, growing from there, you have great knife makers, you know, bench made, etc. So I always thought of Oregon in a really positive way when it comes to Second Amendment and knife rights and gun rights and all. But I'll tell you, I'm sure if you watch the news, you see how much it's deteriorated. And I'm sure there's great areas in Oregon where there's still many folks that are truly supporters of the Second Amendment and love and love their right to keep and bear arms. But here we go with a proposal in Oregon seeking what is a ballot measure, okay? a It's IP13, and they're pushing a bill to gather signatures so they can place on the ballot an end to hunting and fishing and trapping and farming a complete end to those activities in the state it's actually seemingly laughable but it's not because it and it could it could pass and if it passed then Oregon would be the first state to make a sanctuary state for animals Yes, a sanctuary state for animals. No kidding. And what it would do, IP13 is, in origami, IP stands for Initiative Petition, and it's an anti-hunting and anti-agricultural ballot effort. And what it will do is it will ban the harvest of any animal by hunting and fishing and trapping and will only allow a self-defense exemption. It will it also criminalizes animal husbandry and slaughtering animals for food and common breeding practices, etc. So basically it's a full-fledged attack and ban on hunting, fishing, trapping and farming. But the only exemption being this self-defense exemption. And uh, if they collect, I believe it's 112,000 valid signatures uh, by July of 2022, so basically in a year from now, every year to do it, it'll be eligible to appear on the November 22 ballot. And then the state will vote whether to pass this. And I know it seems crazy to think that any state would actually pass it. But think about what you've seen in the last year and a half happening out of Oregon. And uh, it may not be that crazy. And the problem is, it starts here with this. And then it becomes more and more acceptable and thought about. And next thing you know, you're going to see actual bans being proposed both by ballot initiative and or by uh, even legislation to end hunting and fishing and to end farming as we know it end trapping this is what they plan to do and you know there's always been a tie a direct tie to hunting and even fishing and trapping with firearms because firearms So important to the American tradition and culture. But also, firearms were instrumental in our ability to forge for food. And it's still done to this day. And even more importantly, is that hunting and fishing and trapping are tools of wildlife management. And you see, if you believe in conservation, as I do, then you would know that proper management of a renewable resource is vital so that resource is always there year after year. And the idea is to properly use the hunting and fishing and trapping licenses and the number of hunters and fishermen and trappers to harvest enough of the renewable resource that being animals and fish etc so that every year there's more that can be taken again but if you don't manage the resource correctly then you can wipe it out or by leaving it alone it can wipe itself out by massive starvation and these incredible ups and downs to the populations of animals instead of wise conservation policy and so these hunting fishing trapping and you know, are tools of that and they're vital if you believe in conservation and this is why you know there's more deer than when the pilgrims landed in america in america because we have properly managed our resources and done this and this is critical critical to do yet the Tree-hugger, bunny-hugger folks, they don't want to know about it. And they just want to hands-off to end these important tools and to essentially cause more harm to animals than having the tools at hand to actually harvest them. It will have the opposite and reverse effect that those that claim to care about animals will actually cause upon animals. Now, looking at this initiative, if it were to pass, there is that very interesting self-defense exemption. So why would that be in there? Well, I guess folks are uh, would have been afraid that if you can't in any way uh, harm an animal in any way whatsoever, then if you're being attacked by a bear, I guess you just have to give yourself up to the bear. So they said, hey, we need a self-defense exemption or rabid wolves. Oh, well. You can't shoot them. They're just going to do their thing. And so it did make me think that maybe what could happen from this in terms of unintended consequences is maybe we'll still see bear hunting done, but in a whole unique way. What it is is you have to make yourself the bait for the bear. So you got to make yourself out there as the bait and then in self-defense you can shoot the bear see so this will be an entire new thing They'll just call it oregon hunting is what they'll call it and whatever it is you gotta you know put some part of you at risk where you must exercise self-defense in order to harvest any animal or fish so you know uh, you want to go shark get sharks you got to you know make yourself shark bait all this kind of stuff It's very interesting when you start thinking about how that uh, loophole might be exploited, right? Just absurd. So stay aware of these things, because what happens out there in these experimental states, they end up coming around to the rest of America. And what seems like a laughable, silly, it-could-never-happen idea, next thing you know, we're fighting it and dealing with it, and it's amazing. If you had asked Americans at any time prior to uh, you know this century, right? You said, uh, I mean, actually, less you know, up till the uh, nineteen hundred, do you ever think they could ban guns? Like, just the like idea—they'd laugh in your face with ban guns. What kind of ban? That's absurd. It's ridiculous. Look what we're dealing with now. You know, these ideas that start off as absolutely crazy and laughable. They end up being real threats to our liberty and our freedom and our way of life and our traditions and our culture. And that's just what they want. It's just what they want, and that's why they do it. And uh, our love of firearms and weapons and knives and our ability to uh, exercise our Second Amendment rights, that's just one aspect of America that's under attack. It's the aspect you and I are very much interested in but we're also interested in the rest of it as well. And I'm sure you see it. You see these changes being affected and being put forward on us that makes you look back to quote the old days and say, man, what happened? What happened? And uh, we got to stay in the fight and we got to make sure that we don't let these liberties that we love and cherish go away because if they do good luck getting them back this is evan Nappen reminding you that the wonderful gun laws that are out there don't protect honest citizens from criminals they protect criminals from honest citizens
1: gun lawyer is a counterthink media production the music used in this broadcast was managed by cosmo music new york new york us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer the information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice consult a licensed attorney in your state